Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy on Kaya FM 95.9. <laughs> The time is um, one minute past seven on KFM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan, on Tuesday, the 25th of June, 2019. If you've missed our previous shows, you can catch the podcasts on kfm.co.za on FM Rewind. If you're not in Gauteng, you can tune in on DSTV's audio bouquet, channel 861, or you can listen live on kfm.co.za. Medical issues, sex and family, finance, parenting and emotional development. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Welcome to Sidebar with Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Sivifansale. We'll be together from 7 until 8. And tonight's topic is quite a, it's quite a, a, a hard topic. And basically, we asked you, were you the scapegoat of your family? And if you were, how did you overcome that? So how does one heal and break the pattern of scapegoating, especially in a, in a, in a dysfunctional family? And scapegoated kids, you know, don't feel emotionally safe because they aren't able to trust the people that they depend upon. And then from there comes a lot of self-doubt. And then, you know, as they grow up, they're being tend to attract relationships where the, the patterns, the bad patterns that they've learned in childhood are reinforced in these relationships. So parents who are highly controlling often use scapegoating as a tool and um, they call it necessary discipline. But in actual fact, they're just trying to control the environment the whole time. And then there's always this one child that they take out all their anger on. And this is what we're discussing tonight. So did you grow up experiencing that? And if you did, how has it affected your relationship with um, people? How has it affected your life? Are the effects of being a scapegoat still persisting? And how do you relate to your family having suffered that? And so we'll be taking your calls on 86 959 You can SMS us on 36959. And the hashtag is Sidebar Cindy and the other hashtag is KaiaFMTalk. So I'll be joined online by a child psychologist, Upalisa Khadebe, who'll be helping us to go through all of this. And um, after after... Yeah, in the second half of the show, we'll be joined by um, Dr. Emmanuel Klabangana, who will also then help us to, to, you know, to continue with this topic. So quite a heavy topic for a Tuesday evening, but I think it's an important one for, for, you know, for people to discuss. So 086-00-0959, SMS 36959. I'd like to welcome um, the first guest, child psychologist, Palisa Khatebe. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you very much, Dr. Cindy, and good evening to all your listeners. So, as I've introduced the topic, Balesa, we're speaking about scapegoating and 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 how the effect that it has, you know, on 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 a child, and of course, you know, as uh, uh, on an adult. But before we go, yeah, before we go far, let's just define what you know what what it what it is to be a scapegoat in a family. Okay. Well, in essence, um, the simplest way I could easily um, kind of describe it, it just speaks to when a person or a group of individuals within a family are often made um, to bear the blame for the suffering or the in- intentions or behaviors of other people. Mm. So you often find that it, is, it is, can be defined as a form of victimization, where, like I said, all those burdens, all those ills are placed on one person yeah. as a means of them having to carry the guilt or um, the ill the, the ill discipline and practices of the entire group or in, in individuals within the particular family um, or setup. And, you know, the thing is, 
being, you know, you're a child, you're in this situation. You can't even stand up for yourself. You can't, you can't defend yourself. And you tend to internalize all the things that are being said to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, when you think about it in that way, what then happens is then the child starts to develop this identity of, okay, so this is who I am and this is clearly what it is I need to now um, play out moving forward. We've got to remember that in the development of um, a child's personality, yeah. what it is they're exposed to within the societal space informs a lot about who it is they become at a later stage. Mm. So if I'm constantly being told that I am um, at fault, I am the one who is to blame for A, B, and C, or I am the one who is at a point of complete lack of wordiness within the, the family structure, all I then start to begin to believe and also um, enact in my future relationships and in different encounters with other individuals is that same mentality that mm. if anything does go wrong, it has to be me. If anyone wants to um, shout or vent, that should always be directed towards me. Mm. So it just starts becoming a part of the psyche of the individual and you find that it's very hard to crack that yeah. type of developmental space and mindset because it's all they've come to know. Well, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy, and I'm chatting to child psychologist Palisa Khadebe about, um, you know, being a scapegoat. Were you the scapegoat of your family? And if you were, how have you overcome it? If you've overcome it. And we'll take, we're taking your calls on 86 and your SMS is on 36959. So the other thing as well, Palisa, is that the siblings, if, if there are siblings in the family, they, they're so relieved that they're not the, the, the focus of, of attention. So they tend to then just fade into the background and, and let the scapegoat to child's fend for themselves. Mm. Or in very in other instances, they end up playing a part of the scapegoating of that individual. Because as you rightfully said, it is a situation where I'm okay, thankful that I am not the one being picked on. But for fear of possibly having the same backlash, I then feel as though I need to partake in this um, victimization or abusive um, behavior. Because if I don't play a part, then maybe I might then be thrown into the same... Um, you know, line up. So it ends up being a, a continuous defensive pattern that mm. other children within the family end up playing part in to avoid them being, um, you know, being placed in that position as well. So the cycle really does end up just um, perpetuating in a very, very nasty way mm. where you find the one who is being scapegoated, of course, as we said, develops a very sensitive and um, worthless sense of being, while the one, ones who are engaging in the scapegoating of that individual start believing that this is a normal practice, that someone within the family or within your social circle has to also be, um, with, we have to find that individual who will be our scapegoater. Yeah. Um, so it just, the pattern becomes very vile and it often becomes a very generational curse in some instances where we always have to find the one to blame. We always have to find the one to put all the, our burdens onto because mm. looking at ourselves and trying to make sense of why it is so difficult for us to deal with our own pains tends to be a bit more of a conflict that many people are not willing to deal with. That's so, so true. pointing the finger. Pointing the finger is always easier to do. Mm. And you know, Belisa, when you so when you deal with children in this situation, when you when you do mm. when you're doing the counselling, um, mm. what 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 kind of tools do you equip them with? Because I mean, sometimes I mean, confronting a parent or, or a, an, a caregiver is difficult. I think, yeah. you know, with us, um, ageism comes into place. You know, respect your mm. elders. You can't mm. you can't talk back. You can't do this. So, yes. what do you equip kids with? To, 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 you know, to, to navigate that space better. If, if a child can't be removed from that situation, what do you, what do you tell them to do? Well, 
Well, it definitely depends on the age of the child. So if we're dealing with someone who's a lot possibly beyond and um, below the ages of about 12 or 13, yes. we do know that they're still, you know, developing a lot of their sense of being. So like I said, the environment is impactful, but there is still a lot of growth that is taking place that can still be manipulated. Mm. So what we then do in that case is start um, kind of trying to build a sense of who it is they've come to understand themselves to be. So as I said, because they're still quite malleable, it's conversations about, okay, so what do you like to do? Why do you enjoy doing that? And so in building that sense of esteem, they can then start um, creating kind of what we'd call um, reference spaces between themselves and how it is they, they, they would like to grow and develop themselves in the future. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in that space, it's just about a, a sense of, okay, so let's try to recognize who you are right now and what you hope to be in the future. When we're looking at a child who's at, a, at perhaps more of a teenager space and, and older, there it's sometimes a little bit harder to kind of break down those walls because these thoughts, these impressions and these um, perceptions of the self have been so embedded yeah. over many years that it's a little bit harder to kind of, you know, break it down. So yeah. in, that, in, that say, in that sense, rather, we then have to start engaging in more positive communicative styles or communication systems. So um, it, it, it's giving a, a more assertive manner of understanding and communicating with individuals. But more than anything, developing what we know, what's known as an emotional IQ. Yes. So we find very often that when these children have been placed in those positions where they're told that they are this, that, or the other, which is in a negative capacity, their emotions are often shunned or pushed aside and they're told that that is incorrect, that you shouldn't do that. Yeah. So when you're working with a child in that space and developing their emotional um, um, intelligence, what we're then doing is, okay, so let's recognize why it is you're feeling in a particular way. Yeah. What does that do to you? But then also in, in, in recognizing that, how do you then effectively communicate to the people around you why it, it, it makes you feel bad? So once you're able to kind of stand for... Um, the feelings that you're feeling negative or positive and then effectively verbalize them, then a sense of ability then starts to build. So a communication styles then um, impact a lot of your environmental spaces and from that, better action and better um, changes within the space can then be realized. Okay. So from the younger children, it's just learn who you are for the future and older children just communicate more effectively. Great, James, from you, Balisa Khadebe, um, child psychologist. Well, we have a caller. We have Tepiso on the line. Tepiso, um, thanks for calling and welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Cindy. Um, so I literally just have a question around um, this um, scapegoating scenario, right? Yes. So I've never really gotten validation of any sort, but I've always quite, kind of felt like I am like the scapegoat in, in my family. Mm. Um, a lot of it has to do with like I, I have memories of like in in my in my childhood where I would literally like listen in on conversations, just waking up in the morning, hearing my my parents in another room with my siblings, literally just discussing how um, I would be disciplined or how I would be dealt with. And I remember being very um, rebellious in that sense because I felt like why why are my siblings involved in in your uh, yeah, in your life and the way you're being brought up and so on. Yeah, so um, I've struggled in in my adult life to be quite honest because I honestly feel like um, I, I lack the self confidence to actually um, go from point A to point B, despite the fact that I've actually been very successful in a lot of what I've done in my life. 
Like I, I, I struggle to to see the the good in what I do. Yeah. Fortunately, um, I, I do have a very supportive partner who who tries by all means to be there for me. But I, I think also what what your what your guest was saying was that you you tend to build up a lot of self doubt mm. um, over the years. And I guess I've I've played around with this idea of whether am I just being um almost like a crybaby mm. or is this something that's really valid and something I need to acknowledge to move move ahead and start to acknowledge like my my achievements in life and realize that as much as that was the case growing up, yeah, um, I'm not that person anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I'm I'm worthy, you know. And in, and your relationship with your your siblings now, what is it like? So we still we still have a very difficult relationship. To be quite honest, I, I don't think it's repairable in in the near future. Mm. Um, we are cordial. We are um, we communicate on a uh, when it's necessary. But I do feel like there, there's room. There's a lot of room for improvement. I, I've developed. Um, I, I'd say I have my guard up yeah. as a result of not being certain of whether whether or not they will respond in a way that is supportive of my situation mm. um, or if I would like in the past be shunned or 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 ganged up on I've always expressed the fact that I feel I feel ganged up on yeah I can um, imagine that's, that's always been like dismissed growing up so I see it now more than ever as an adult where I feel like I should be more confident given what I've achieved yeah given what I've, I've done but I don't know. I, I, I struggle with that quite be, a bit. And, but be, before Balisa comments, I just want to ask you one more question. If you look at the successes in your life now, do you think that the way you were scapegoated propelled you to, to work hard and to prove yourself? Most definitely, because I've always felt the need to achieve, overachieve, to, to kind of like, I don't know, win, win my parents over, mm. you know? Um, mm. I've been the the top achieving child in the house. If I'm if I'm to be quite honest, everything I've done, I've done in record time, or, or I've or I've done over and above what um, was required of me, all in just the hopes of proving them wrong. Yeah, say, I'm not this person. Yeah, there's more to me, but it does eat away at you at some point. Does, yeah, and even when you're, I I joined. Um, I actually took on a, a new job about a year ago mm. and it was a much tougher environment. And I think that's why I've come to that realization that probably my childhood had a lot to do with the way that I respond to situations because I tend to retreat and it kind of brings back memories of growing up and having to like hide hide in my room until like I was no longer the topic of discussion in the kitchen yeah. because I could hear... Everything people, that they were saying. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's a I, I, I guess a lot of the healing and moving forward is the is the acknowledgement and the validation, which I understand I probably will never get. Yeah. And it's the, it's the moving forward and realizing that that's behind you. Yeah. And you, you need to move forward that I struggle with. Yeah. Because no. it's never really been acknowledged. Well, I'm glad that you're saying all of these things because I mean I didn't even mention your parents and uh, and you asking them any questions because many times our parents. Our parents have a very interesting view of the past. They tend to forget things. And if you bring certain things up, it's as if you're about Sugela. So um, I'm happy that you're on this journey of, of, of you know, realizing things and, and just working things out in your head. And, and I hope that you, you get the healing that you need yeah, in the future. It's a journey, but yes, um, I'm getting there. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you so much for sharing that, Zippy. So that was a very thank special you. call. 
So, Baliza, before we come to you, we'll just take one more call. We have Joey on, on the line. Joey, um, welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. Hi, Dr. Cindy, and how are you? Good, thank you. I'm all right, thanks. You know, I've been following your show, even though the only chance I get to listen to Kaya FM is when I'm driving from work to home. <laughs> and this topic is so directed at my growing up, you know. Mm. Uh, I relate so very well with it. You know, scapegoating. Palisa, while we're getting Joey back on the line, um, would you like to comment on what Sepiso um, had to say about her her, her situation? Mm. I think, you know, Sepiso's um, situation is, is, is very similar to what a lot of people, like if you come to my offices, often speak to. How there's that, it's almost what we refer to as groupthink, yeah. which is a collective of individuals who are speaking the same thing and then therefore kind of perpetuating a, a, a phenomenon or a thought process that you as the individual on the outside seem to think um, is, is the reality of your life. I mean, she had mentioned how, you know, when she was younger, they would speak about her and she would overhear this. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that what she then often went through was, well, I must deserve it or it must be true because everyone is talking about me in the same way and kind of um, agreeing on different points. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a very difficult thing for her to kind of try and manage now. And as I'd mentioned earlier, with her having now been in an older space or having been more of an adult, the conversational um, aspect is what now she needs to start working on in order for her to kind of get out of that space. You know, she had spoken to the need to now prove them wrong in order to, in some way, maybe gain a sense of acceptance or a validation for her efforts through them, which is great because it has worked as a motivator for her to, to, to achieve and to succeed. Yeah, so she's been able to do that. Well, so, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. But now the, the, the difficulty then comes in into a situation of, but um, when will it become enough? Not only for her, but also for her family or those she considers dear to her to recognize that she is who it is she become to understand herself to be. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's really a difficult type of um, avenue to kind of work through where are you fighting for yourself now or are you fighting to prove them? Yeah. And that's where you can end up losing yourself. So she just needs to start recognizing the conversation that she's having with herself and try and find the words to express it to her family that if this is enough for me, then you need to kind of jump in on my recognition of myself because the fight to be recognized can always be very exhausting for the individual because we never know what it is the other the other is trying to get mm. or what it is they're hoping to receive from us. So it's a very difficult thing, but I think more than anything, she's found the validation within herself yeah. that she can achieve. It's and then her now yeah. accepting it. And confronting parents, I mean, you know, mm, mm. that's not always easy. So how do you go no. about chatting to parents about what they're doing? I mean, how do you highlight the problem to them? Mm-hmm. It's about having a perspective-based type of intervention. And um, we've got to also understand sometimes that, and, and as you had mentioned, that our parents come from their own histories where it is they were brought up in a particular way. Yeah. And in, in those practices, it's just the norm for them. So sometimes we've got to understand that they're not necessarily doing it on purpose. It's just how it is they've come to understand the world to work as. So with the parents, what I often do is kind of have them understand why it is the child is playing out in a particular manner, why it is their behavior is, um, in terms of the parent's behavior towards the child is dissatisfactory or hurtful, and then try and get a perspective from the parents from, for, for, for why it is they deem their behavior normal or um, acceptable. Because what we, then, what we then find is that there's miscommunication about what is expected as a parent yeah. and how it is a child is to reach those expectations. You know, we're living in a completely different time in our lives where 
measures of success or measures of um, you know respect had vastly differed from where it is our parents came from and where it is we are now. That's so true. So just. So trying to bridge that gap and trying to see what the perspective of, you know, the 1960s looks like in comparison to the 2000s is where we then see that we're trying to kind of say the same thing or do the same thing. It's just the manner in which we're trying to get to that point, you know, kind of has us conflicting or missing each other completely. So okay. it's a conversational thing. And this evening we're chatting about um, the lasting pain of being the scapegoated child. And I have a guest, child psychologist, Balisa Khatebe, and we continue our conversation at 23 minutes past seven. So, Balisa, um, one of the things that that um, is important is how do you heal from what has happened? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that is often the, the, where the biggest battle starts. It is possibly more than anything working to get a sense of validation, as Kapita had spoken about earlier, just t- trying to seek that sense of validation for yourself, where you're now having... Um, or rather creating support structures surrounding you that don't work to exploit the sensitivity that you've developed from a young age. Mm. We've got to remember that it is easy to kind of point the finger at someone who is willing to kind of accept and, and indulge that. So you find that our scapegoats are very sensitive, um, empathetic in human beings who are willing to kind of um, take on the burdens, as I had said, and completely close them for your sense of containment and comfortability. Mm. So in working to heal, you've got to now create the spaces for yourself where even though you are sensitive and, and, and um, you know, um, containing in that space, the people that you surround yourself with do not exploit or um, work to work, use that against you at every turn. What you do in that regard is, number one, learning how to stand up for yourself. And that is goes back again, as I said, to learning the, the verbalizations of what is right for you and what is wrong for you. And that is both through conversation with someone such as myself who can kind of help you build the self-esteem that has long since um, been underplayed or um, not foundationally concrete and um, created, or there was no foundation for that. Because once you're able to verbalize what it is you can stand up for, those who come to you and try and use you for, you know, their deviant, um, for their deceptive manners, are not as easily able to kind of break down your walls or break down your sense of being mm. because it's so strongly developed. So it's a conversational space where I now know what I stand for and what is I can and will not. Um, allow in my space and you just need to verbalize that it is a long process but it's just about developing that sense of being yeah we have a a tweet from usindile sindile says um she knows she was a scapegoat my family only talks only about how naughty i was um as a child it's it's as if that's all i was ever good for in my childhood i just had a sassy personality and it was grossly misunderstood even now so it's a sad sad tweet from um sindile mt well we have joey back on the line um joey yeah welcome back to sidebar cindy and you were telling us how much this topic you can how much you can relate to this topic Yes, yes, Dr. Cindy, thank you for coming back to me. I'm packed now. I can be, I'm, I'm actually able to talk. Yes, uh, I don't know how to summarize it. Quite a lengthy story, but I'll try to summarize it. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, at 46 years now, I don't know my biological father because my mother deliberately kept it a secret. Mm. And we clash over petty things and I actually get to pick up my mother has got this unresolved anger. Yeah? Mm. And my one aunt tried to hint to me to say the father who brought me up is not actually my biological father, but I've got the sweetest stepdad ever. 
Yeah. Very supportive that you actually be convinced, you actually think that he's my biological parent instead of my biological mother. And only to learn, you know, just to summarize it, I grew up, okay, when my mother gave birth to me, she was still not married, so she left me with her parents and tried to find a job and all that. Mm. So I grew up with my two younger aunts, and we were actually the same age group. We were within, like, my last-born aunt, she was born 1968, I was born 1972, and the one before her was just a year older. So we grew up together like sisters. Like siblings, yeah. Yes, like sisters. And my mother is from a very large family. Currently, there are nine siblings, mm. just to make an example. We've, we've lost some aunts and uncles and that. So my mother and her family are so much divided. They fight over very petty things. So me having grown up from her family, whenever they've got their little issues, I mustn't talk to people who she does not talk to. Mm. Or else I'm being sort of dishonest. Mm. But when they are happy again and they talk and then we need to be excited again and go with the flow, which becomes a bit confusing. So me now growing up, my mother ultimately took me in into her marriage because apparently when she finally got married later, not with my father, apparently the husband's family never wanted her with the child, to accept her with the child. Yeah. And she kept that a secret from me. But anyway, growing up, there were signs, you know, there were signs. And now as an adult, you know, the memories keep flashing back. And when my one aunt hinted to me that her husband is not my biological father, she took that very personal. She never even wanted to talk about it, but she was not very pleased with it. Yeah. After a long time, recently, the topic came up. She's still refusing to tell me who my father is. Anyway, I started staying with my mom when I was starting school because as if she wanted to take now responsibility because her mother passed on when I was five, after she raised me, when I was five. So she had to so take you in? She had to take me in as if, I think it was because of the environment that I was growing up with my granddad who was not available and all that. But now starting to stay with my mother that time, I had to be an adult from that time. And my mother was very, she's the type of person that acts out, that's got a lot of anger, that she takes it out, you know, she acts out. Mm. And my mother used to beat me up so, so much. At the age of 10, I actually came back to my grandparents' house through police and social workers and all that. I was, we, we, we were staying in the Northwest. Now I came this side. Mm. As if now my mother covered up that story from my siblings. I've got two young siblings who are 19 years younger than me. Apparently growing up as young children, they would just try to find out, but why is our sister not staying with us? Just innocently asking. Because I mean, they lived with you and then you were gone and it didn't make sense to them. I never really got to stay with them. Yeah. They were born much later. Mm. Yeah, they were born very much later. Okay. Like, yeah, my last born sister is 19 years younger than me, for example. Okay. Yeah, 19 or so, yeah. Really pushing me too. Mm. And my siblings were there. Because my one sibling was in, but we kept on asking mama, why 
did she not grow up with us? So I said to them, okay, you guys want to know. So I related, my mother yelled at me so much. She didn't want me to even disclose that. As if the whole time she painted a bad picture of me not wanting to be her child, mm. not wanting to belong with my siblings. You know, it's so heartbreaking. When I got married uh, 19 years ago, Okay, it's our 19th wedding anniversary, 23rd year in this marriage since Lobola was paid. My mother was never supportive. She didn't even want to be part of that. On our wedding day, she was nowhere to be found. All those things were so heartbreaking. And being the firstborn, I took, literally took financial responsibility for my siblings. Even when I was in high school, you know, my parents were always battling financially. I had to do some domestic work during school holidays. That's why I can be able to buy clothes for my siblings. I literally raised my siblings. And I think that's the thing about about our families, Joey. And I'm going to say that's the thing about black families is that even even throughout the, the dysfunction and the pain and the turmoil, we, the kids, yes, I'm, I'm even struggling to articulate myself because your story, I've heard versions of your story so many times. We still, we still perform our child's duties you know, for lack of a better word, even even though your parents are acting acting badly towards you, you still step up time and time again. You know, and exactly. and I and I think that doing that hurts us. When, you know, when you when exactly. you you know it hurts us and it scars us. And then not and the, being appreciated. Mm, you know, but you, that's the big thing. And but you still step up. You still step up, and then you end up being in relationships where even though people treat you badly, you still keep doing the right thing. Like there's this pattern that has not been set, you know, but I'll ask, I'll ask police to comment on that um, before we let you go, Joey, but you know, okay. but, but I, right. you know, before, no, no, before, before I let you go, I want to ask your relationship with your, with your husband. And if you have children, your relationship with your kids, um, how is it, you know, considering all the stuff that you've gone through? I must say it, it's perfect. My, I'm lucky. My husband happens to be the, you know, in, in the same boat as me. He also does not know his biological father you know so we have this common background and then for him growing up he always used to say to me the day he ever impregnates a woman he will definitely marry whoever he whether by mistake or you know whether by default or what so he's very overprotective of his kids he does not want his kids to go through that i've got a very supportive husband however now his family when my mother was not very supportive with my marriage i think to an extent I'm being taken advantage of as if no, I'm this one person who does not have family background support because my mother's broken family also are fighting over literally everything. Even my marriage up to today is still one of the issues because my mother blames me for involving my uncles. I mean, culturally, uncles are yeah, responsible You have to, for exactly. Baby. Exactly. You know what? I, I, I keep on saying to her, it's, it's not my fault that they grew up divided. No, no. It, I cannot change that for them well i'm just happy that, that your so- life yeah i'm well joey uh, we'll have to let you go but i'm just so glad that your life has turned out okay and i'm glad that mm. um yeah i'm glad thank that your life so has turned much. out okay thank you so much for yeah, sharing thank that you so much. thank you thank you okay palisa before we let you go um just a, just a quick comment on what um what joey has said and then of course let us know where we can find you um if we need your services Okay. Well, I think, as you said, Joey is again one of those um, success stories, thankfully, who are able to kind of surround herself with the right support system moving forward. So it sounds as though she's been able to kind of um, work around those, those, those 
those harsh realities that she was had to face yeah. when she was younger. But definitely, she spoke a lot about the family issues that she. Mm. So you're carrying um, the anger and the hatreds of your mother that she has with her family. But in order for you to be, um, I guess, for her to kind of care for you or recognize you, you feel as though you have to carry that on or else, you know, you, you then are then in fault, which is what seems to have been the cycle for, for, for Joey in many, in, in many instances of her life. Yeah. So I, I, the difficulty in that, though, is just having to now recognize the, the issues that you are dealing with as my external other, my parents, my friends, my partner, and whether or not those involve me. And so as you're growing up, it's sometimes very hard to separate yourself from the issues and the difficulties that your mother or father had to deal with mm-hmm. when it comes to their family and whether or not you should actually be taking part in it. Yeah. You often feel as though I should stand up for my mother or I should be angry with whomever it is she feels she's also angry with because if I don't, then you know, um, whose family do I then belong to? So that definitely is something that is just, it, it, it's tricky and it's hard also when you then find yourself being separated from the family group where in, in Joey's case, you know, she was removed out of nowhere. And, you know, in the silencing of the one person who maybe has a lot of information or might have been seen to be the troublesome one, you often find that in isolating them, they can then be the scapegoat. Because what then you find is how can you ask questions or seek answers from a ghost? You know, they're just that object in the distance who I'm able to point at and put, you know, all the blame on, but you can never really get a response from. So, you know, whatever it is, the one figure tells me must be 100% true because you ran away or you stayed away um yeah. so yeah it makes it very very murky it's it's a difficult one but you know it's a process as i said it's just about developing a sense of self and in your growing up learning to differentiate between what is mine and what is not and then learning how to verbalize that more than anything well thank you so much um, Balisa Khatebe, um child no psychologist problem. where can we find you oh yes um i on, on facebook as well as instagram i am at neo psych services that is n-e-o psych services or on Twitter, you can get me at at key underscore Balesa. Okay, thank you so much. And we shall definitely have you back. I love your energy. Thank you so much, and thank you for you know the opportunity. Pleasure. So, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to KFM 95.9, home of Afropolitan. And this evening's show on Sidebar Cindy is about being the scapegoat of your family. Were you the scapegoat, and and if you were, how have you handled it? How have you overcome that? So, our next guest is Dr. Emmanuel Hlabangana. He's a humanitarian leader. He's a philanthropist. He's a mentor, and he's a community builder. Um, and Evan calls him Dr. Klabangana. So, Dr. Klabangana, thank you so much for holding and thank you so much for, for being on the show with me. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I've been listening in at uh, so it's such a, a big challenge in our society, what you're talking about. It really is, Dr. Klabangana. And I mean, and, I, and I, as I said um, earlier on in the show, that I think for us as, 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 as black families, some of these issues, you know, the generation, the difference in the generations involves. The, the inability to always confront them. So you know what your parents have done yeah. wrong or your caregivers, but because there's this age difference and you just have to yeah. internalize all these things and find your own way of healing out of it. So, you know, what, you know, what have you, what, what can you comment on what you've heard so far? I'm just in pain. I mean, it hasn't happened to me, but I'm just feeling so sad with all the stories that I'm hearing. Yeah, but I mean, there are some success stories uh, mm. or side effects of that where people tend to uh, work hard and try to prove that they are 
acceptable or they are not as inferior or as unacceptable as others were. So they tend to overachieve. And, and that's a good thing. Uh, however, uh, it then leads to imbalances where you find that um, psychologically, when they then look at how to relate in terms of love, either loving themselves or loving others or yeah. in a relationship or loving uh, in a spiritual way, they tend to struggle uh, because they are driven to prove all the time. And so they tend not to hear, um, if they're in a relationship, they tend not to hear the other side because they always have to be on a defensive mechanism. Hmm. And this is a this is a pattern that has then been set in childhood when they were being the scapegoats. Yeah, and therefore the the the, the these problems are both psychologically and spiritually. And therefore, if you then have to come to the healing part of it, you then have to um, the steps that uh, Dr. Hadi was talking about earlier on in terms of uh, finding social structures that. Uh, are able to mitigate those factors. But I, I would like to zero in on, on, on one thing that hasn't been mentioned so far. I, I think the center of the being is very spiritual. Mm. And if, 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 if neglected, it tends to affect all other um, parts of, of the person. And I would therefore, and what I have done mostly is to involve whether it's church leaders or religious leaders within wherever there's been um, such a, a, a challenge. And I would then bring in a religious person to try and center that person spiritually. And out of the spirit of the man, you then find that the, the mind or the emotions are then affected. And so uh, instead of just dealing with it from a mental or psychological point of view, I go deeper and see spiritual um, uh, uh, problems uh, emanating from uh, being a scapegoat all these years. Okay, so well, being we'll... wounded all these years. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. We're going to the last um, part of Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Suefansel. And this evening we're talking about scapegoats. Were you the scapegoat in your family? And if so, um, how did you overcome it? We've heard some really sad stories. And then, you know, obviously it's always a success story um, here and there. And I'm chatting to Dr. Emmanuel Klabangana, better known as Dr. Emmanuel. He's a philanthropist, community builder. He's also a, um, a reverend. So he, you know, he helps people spiritually, spiritually as well to heal from from the trauma of being um of being a scapegoat we're taking your calls on 86 959 and your sms is on 36959 the hashtag on social media is sidebar cindy kaya fm talk so we're back um chatting to you dr emmanuel Klabangana, about the issue of being a scapegoat and before we went on a break you were telling us about how you you know it's important to to you know to delve into spiritual components of 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 this of this problem yeah i i, I mean what then happens is that you find that um, people who have all their life been used as scapegoats tend to develop um, emotions that are either too dependent or are emotionless, what we call hard, hardness of heart. Yeah. And therefore, and therefore um, they develop these patterns. And these patterns not only... Um, are abusive to themselves. They become abusive to other people, uh, either because they don't give love 
or they tend to depend um, on others for love. And mm. those who notice those things then tend to take advantage of them. And therefore, the cycle becomes very, uh, it, it even goes deeper to um, suicidal thoughts or, mm. or abuse of drugs or abuse of alcohol or abuse of relationships. It is interesting. And the other thing, Dr. Emmanuel, that, um, you know, I mean, so we'll just, we'll just talk about, we'll talk about the church and, and the Bible and how, you know, you have to respect your parents and so on. So that's in the Bible. In a situation yeah. like this, um, how, how then do you work, uh, work around that? You know, so, you know, you have this parent that has treated you really badly and, and yeah. you're a member of a church and the church keeps telling you, you need to respect your parents. You need to respect your parents. How do you counsel people through that? Well, I, I think one of the most balanced books is the, is, is the Bible. And you'll find that even their way it says respect your parents, it also encourages fathers not to be um, hard towards their children. And therefore, um, it, 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 I would then point out to say, look, if your parents expected you to be uh, respectful and or uh, or accept whatever they, they would say. I would then point out to say, to a certain extent, they abuse their relationship with you. And that's when you then decode this um, um, relationship that uh, where they were used as scapegoats. You, you have to decode it and, and, and make them go backwards to realize how important they were maybe in the earlier years where they were in quotes, abused by a relationship, whether it's an authoritative relationship. Yeah. And, 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 make them po- and make them realize that many things were not their fault. Yeah. And where they, where they now need to be responsible, you need to point out that if they don't take responsibility, they then pass on these patterns uh, to their own children yeah. or to other relationships that they are courted depended on uh, a society's pillar mm. And I think as well, the undoing of the words, because words stick, I always say to people, you must be very careful yeah. what you yeah. say to people because words stick. You can say sorry, but that hurt them. Oh, and the reason why my life is a mess is because of you. I wish you weren't born. Those things are very difficult to undo. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I, 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 I like your point. I think if words have hurt then we need to use words to rebuild. Where there's been uh, pain through words, then if words can do so much damage, I, I always teach this and write on this, that the same words can be used to, to build and to turn around. And that's why you find that um, earlier when I was listening to someone who said they have become an overachiever. They then go to school and they begin to use um, certain knowledge to overcome a deficit that was there earlier where they were feeling negative feelings, maybe thoughts of suicide or thoughts of being neglected. Now they use maybe mathematics or they're using um, history or law to overcome that deficit. So, so put the people in an environment where words can, can build. Let's say, let's go into a relationship where they such, where they such um, abuse. Those people who will need to come to an environment, the abuser and the abused, um, and, and I'm using a very deep word, uh, the abuser and the abused, to an environment where words can be used to build and not to t- 
sat down. Because sometimes when we then say, um, maybe other siblings have turned the other down yeah. or parents have turned the other down, in building the other, we tend then to tear down uh, those who, who were maybe abusers instead of uh, bringing a balance. And, and, and Dr. Emmanuel, so if then the parents don't realize that what they were doing was scapegoating, how do you bring this to their awareness without causing a bigger rift? Well, I, 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 I look at social structures that we have. And unfortunately, because of urbanization and, and growth, social structures have been broken like that. But there's always a person that one person will listen to. And, and, and for example, there was a young lady that spoke of how her mother did not even come to her wedding. Mm. I always think that there is someone who can reach out to the parents. Because even when I spoke, I could feel it. Even when I was listening, I could feel her pain. Mm. That she, she still needs her mother in her life. And, and, and years go by, and before it's too late, and death has stolen one of us, um, maybe we could use one of the social structures uh, relationship that allows for the mother to hear what the daughter wants to say without seemingly being disrespectful. And the church seems to play such a central role, role in many communities. Mm, no, yeah, well, you do very important work, um, Dr. Emmanuel. And. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. No, today's topic is heavy. I mean, I'm looking at the messages that. Um, I'm getting, I have a message from Anonymous and Anonymous, eh, Anonymous, Anonymous says that um, mm. when I was 16, it used to feel as if my mother was not my biological mother. I remember it also affected me at school, but I had no one to talk to. I had to struggle a lot. I was even scared to ask her to assist me with my homework. Um, and, and that led me not to say anything about my schoolwork, but was always eager to see my results. And this is, this is a, this is a, a, a you know, a woman who had to, you know, live in a house where she was afraid of her mom and she never ne- never had a chance to, you know, to talk to her like a daughter and a mommy should communicate. Well, well you, you know, in the earlier years, we've never had the tools that we have now, um, the media that we have. And what we, we maybe as... Um, younger people need to understand that our parents are a product of a certain environment as well. And, and, and if, if you get that into your heart as well, you become a bit generous in terms of looking at uh, the past. Yeah. You become a bit generous in terms of your emotions towards the past because they are also a product of where they came from. Yeah. And if that society did not allow emotions or words to be shared in a manner that they were loving and, and kind and supportive. You were not because now you are in a different society. I think we can then use tools to to go backward and, 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 and even be supportive to our parents. Well, that's 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 that, that's encouraging. But thank you so much, um, Dr. Emmanuel Slabangana. You're from Hill Church, um, which is based in yeah. Weinberg. Thank you for your insights yeah. and um, yeah, continue changing lives and impacting generations. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, in closing, um, yeah, it's quite a heavy topic and um, I'm, I'm glad we, we bring such topics to the table on Sidebar Cindy. And all I can say is that the generations are different. I think we're fortunate enough 
to be able to communicate better, better than our parents and caregivers did. And I hope that all the lessons that we learn from this better communication, we can then pass on to, to our children. So in closing, a quote from Charles Schultz. There's our excuse. So we'll blame everything on the round-headed kids. That's from Peanuts. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. On Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.